relationships, marriage. You know, it's more about having to accept that somebody else farts in bed <laughs> or they're not perfect yeah. and they age. Mm. Bodies get old, bodies get fat. So what? I'm going to be in a situation where I'm in love with somebody based on how they look only. Mm. Or how they are in a in a moment. In a moment. And that isn't ever allowed to change, right? It's yeah. so it's impossible to maintain. Yeah. And and if people can get through that, it doesn't mean you you just drop all aesthetics. Again, yeah. it's always balanced. It means fucking be true to yourself. Mm. You know, if you need plastic surgery to be accepted, you're not true to yourself. Mm. It's bullshit. Yeah. If you need fucking Louis Vuitton bags, and I'm not saying that they're a bad thing. Yeah. I'm probably going to buy one for my wife. <laughs> but if you need that to be accepted, right. forget it. If you need that, um, and again, I've got a nice car. I don't have the fanciest car, but if you need that brand new, I don't know, whatever car, to get accepted or to have people admire you, sorry, it's it's kind of false. If you like it because you like it, that's one thing. Mm. But if you're driving it with a big loud and, da, 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 and you're giving it and you're watching people, you know, I understand. You know, I, I get it's good to be noticed and get other people's attention. But it's just you need to have something from within to be, you know, to, 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 to you, I guess you've got to love yourself in order to um, get any love or admiration from another. Mm. You know, and if you really know who you are, and that's the hard bit because a lot of people don't. I'm Ren McDonald, and this is The Hope Initiative, a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth, where I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Hope Initiative. My name is Rin MacDonald. Thank you so much for joining me for episode number 71 with Jeff Serra. Jeff and I are former colleagues and I wanted to have him on the show since starting it just over three years ago now and I'm so glad I finally have made it happen. This conversation is one that I think is really important, especially at this time in the world. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on, uh, you know, in the media around the world various things so yeah I'm, I'm glad to have have had this conversation and i hope that it helps uh you listeners in in some way so without further ado here is jeff sarah enjoy Jeff Sarah, welcome to the Hope Initiative. Yeah, thank you. It's re really my pleasure to be on it, yeah. Yeah, thanks, mate. We're here today at your place after you've had a, a little bit of an injury just this past weekend, <laughs> a little call just now. Interesting timing. Yeah, interesting never, timing. Never a good time to have a big injury in life, hey? No, it's never a good time. It's probably particularly bad at the moment just because of the nature of it. I've got a... Um I've pulled a hamstring and it's um, actually pulled um, a little chip off the bone on the bottom of one of my bones. So that's going to be an interesting little uh, journey for me, but that's all right. That's what happens. Like I said, big life, big strife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You were water skiing? I was trying to water ski, yeah, but I'm 51 now. So um, it was one of those things that I hadn't done for many, many years. And um, normally it's not that hard for me to, but uh, the uh, body had a different idea on this one. 
Mm. So it sort of pulled, went off like a shotgun, and um, I knew when I'd done it, there was something quite serious. And now it's been confirmed that there is something there, may need, may require surgery. We'll see how we go. They were early days. I'm sure there's options. Yeah, definitely, definitely options. I was mentioning uh, Ben Patrick, knees over toes guy. He's definitely someone for anyone listening as well. I know he was on the Joe Rogan podcast recently. Um, but he's he's a beast. But anyway, that's not necessarily why we're here. But yeah, when I rocked up, <laughs> no, it, you, right. you're in a wheelchair, and but yeah, I'm sure you'll you'll be back fit and healthy soon. Oh uh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure. My um my stepmom did a did a ACL skiing once down the down the mountains at Buller, I think. And yeah, it's it's crazy just how a split thing. Whether it's you know on the water mountains, I've had injuries playing soccer. I feel like everyone goes through them at different stages. But like you say, busy, well, was it busy life, busy strife, or big life, big, big strife. life, big strife? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I like it. You uh, you go out and you do things, and um, things happen. Small life, and you know if you're sitting around watching TV and not getting out there and not doing things, I guess there wouldn't be these things. But you got to live life. Yeah, completely. So that's ultimately why I'm here today because you're someone who I think has has lived that you're 51 we've known each other for maybe 15 years fairly well um but i wanted to have you on the podcast for a little while now so i'd love (laughs) for you to start by sharing your sort of life um starting with your earliest memory coming up to present day uh in as greater or little detail as you wish in certain moments but if you could yeah start with that earliest memory i like to sort of give people a, a three to four minute time to uh to share and then we'll we'll go from there yeah three or four minutes to cover 50 years um i grew grew up in a small town called tatura it's in country victoria not far from shepparton um dad my dad was a laborer um mum was a mum was a cleaner you know um middle class great great upbringing dad eventually started to grow tomatoes and i sort of grew up in a tomato patch picking tomatoes with my father um you know, parents were faultless as parents. Had a great time. They, they were, you know, they were just um, small town people living a small town life. And um, I, I didn't know much. The biggest, you know, the whole world seemed to be, you know, Tatura. And, um, you know, it was a big deal to go to Shepparton, which was, you know, maybe a population of 60,000 at the time. So, yeah, I grew up there, went to a tech school. Eventually, um, I was very talented at... Um, at mechanics and electronics and got a job with a place called Carmody Specialist Engineering, which were the very first, the very first company to develop the ultrasonically welded surgical face mask that everybody's wearing now. In fact, to my knowledge, it's still the only machines that are single operator that can actually do that. Generally, you know, this was before there was such a uh, influence of China and, you know, with China labour that you can get anything done so cheap. But, you know, sure. back 30 years ago when we were doing that, it wasn't quite the same. Same. And um, I, uh, we, we built these machines. We, we exported them all around the world with this um, absolute genius called Joe Carmody. Yeah. And he taught me a lot about life, made me look, you know, and he was unbelievable. He was he was his engineering and his ability to get uh, make machinery work was extraordinary. Mm. So he developed the ultrasonically welded those those masks. They've got those what looks like stitching. That's actually ultrasonic where they use a radio frequency through a piece of metal yeah. to vibrate it at a certain frequency to cause friction, and it melts all the stuff together and seals it together. Before that, there was glue, oh. which was smelly. 
and mm. uh, they used to use these big irons which would get all glugged up and mm. um, yeah so I, I was actually um, kind of with him on those whole research and development years and learning about robotics hydraulics electronics welding uh, powder coating electroplating gun bluing um, CNC machining Mainly the CNC machining and all that, which you, you just had a look before. I've got a workshop in my backyard. Yeah, I don't have serious workshop. <laughs> I don't have CNC machines. It's a bit overkill for backyard. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then I, um, I, you know, things happen. I got married and to a wonderful lady and we sort of felt life wasn't big enough and we headed to the big smoke. In Melbourne, and uh, lived you in. You got married up in Tatura, did you, or just outside of Shep? Yeah, just outside of Shep, a little town called Marupana, actually, in between Tatura and Shepparton. Yeah, I got married in '97. Okay, and um, we left for Melbourne '98. Came up here, or I wanted to do more. I started to be a counsellor with the Church of Scientology, and. Um, you know that got me to deal with enormous amounts of people, and um, I found I was gifted at that. Yeah. became more and more um, um, uh, involved in that and then involved in other things and then one thing led to another and uh, started businesses and um, you know, had lots of businesses, lots of failures and lots of good things and made money and lost money and built, bought houses and lost houses and did the whole number, probably lost two houses wow. in, in business failings. But now, obviously, as you can see, we're doing quite well and... Um, yeah. You know, we run this, we've got a business called Go Cleaning. We do pressure washing and window cleaning. Yeah. And um, I, my wife generally runs the office and manages the office and I manage the other side of things when I can walk <laughs> 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 and not in a wheelchair. And, uh, yeah, that leads us to here, I guess. There you nice, go. Mate. That was about five minutes. Yeah, that was brilliant. Thank you for sharing. So I just had a, a real quick question. 20 or 97, you said you were married. What, what uh, month? Did you guys get married? October. October. Okay, October so 25 years this, this October. Yeah, 25 years this October. You got it. Yeah, yeah. And then I got my wife's 50th uh, birthday party uh, this year too. So it's, you know, oh, amazing. It's quite a special year, yeah. Yeah, right. How did you two meet? To be honest, we met at the gym. I was right into the bodybuilding and the weight training at the time and um, yeah. she was in the gym and, in fact, I, uh, I was doing some, uh, yeah, quotation marks, modelling it <laughs> might not look like it now, but um, uh, I was on TV doing some ads, uh, some advertisements for the local TV station, and her wow. sister was too. Oh, and my first words to my wife was, you're on TV nearly as much as I am. And she goes, rolled her eyes, and she said, uh, that's actually my sister. Oh. So it didn't start off exactly perfectly with the first line. But anyway, I persisted, and we ended up, um, you know, getting married, obviously. Yeah, right. They're sisters, not twins? They're not twins, but they're both, you know, very sort of similar to look at back then and both, you know, quite pretty. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, one thing led to another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How yeah, old? She, she was interesting because my wife, you know, um, uh, was very, very down the line, you know, very honest, very, very moral. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, it took a long time before she would let me into her life and I kind of found that attractive. Yeah, right. When you say she was very moral, were you not at the time? No, I don't think I was as much as her. I am now, as you know. Yeah. But no, I, you know, um, I, I lived a life that was probably not necessarily, I wasn't a criminal, mm. but I just lived a typical, and I wasn't, I wasn't into drugs or anything like that, but I was, you know, lots of alcohol, lots of partying, lots of fun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, she was everything that I kind of wasn't 
if you if you know what I mean. You know, she was, you know, she was still um, a human being. You know, she still liked to do things, but she was very moral and very straight, and she's probably kept me that way. Yeah, I reckon. So you, if I'm my calculations are correct, you would have been like 25, 26 when you married her. Yeah, spot on. I was twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah. Okay. So when did you sort of start pursuing her? When did like that sort of come about? Oh, that was about, um, oh, I reckon, 18 months to, or two years before we got married. Oh, wow. Yeah, we went out for quite some time. Okay. Yeah, she, um, Italian girl, and um, they, they they had an orchard just out of Marupina or out of Shepparton called, in a place called Ardmona. You would have heard of Ardmona yeah, Fruit yeah. Products and um, SPC Ardmona yeah, and all that. Yeah, my business management teacher in high school always used to talk about SPC Ardmona. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah. That, Frank that, Demalis as well, he's Italian. Yeah, well, that Italian. was a hub of town, right? Yeah. Um, SPC, living, growing up in Shepherd and, you know, in the um, in the 70s, 80s and that, the, the SPC was the central hub of Shep, of Shepparton mm. and there was a... Um, um, uh, there was another company, geez, it fails me, uh, Rosella, which mm-hmm. was in Tatura, and there was the Tatura milk, which you would see the Tatura milk um, butter when you go to weddings and stuff, those little square. So we were in the middle of all that farming and all that. So everything was pretty much, it was football and farming, yeah. pretty much. There wasn't a lot of industry, and I didn't fit the football and I didn't fit the farming. Mm. I knew damn well when I was picking tomatoes for my father that I wasn't going to be a farmer. Yeah. But I had a talent for mechanics. Yep. and electronics and hydraulics and all that sort of thing. So I was lucky I found the dream job. You know, this guy taught me everything. And um, um, going back to the point, I pretty much all the industries revolved around fruit. Mm. So, um, you know, obviously my wife's family were, were growing fruit and I was spending a lot of time with this company I was working with in SPC, actually working on the bean, you know, the baked beans line and the classic two fruit lines and all that. We developed machinery for that. And so I know a lot about the fruit cannery industry and the, the guy I worked for, Joe Carmody, was pretty much known as a legend in the engineering side of things with um, the fruit and cannery section. So yeah. uh, he's just one out of the box. He's the highest IQ person I've ever met. And, yeah, right. You know, wonderful, smart guy. And I, I think he, he was the one that sort of got me to look at the fact that there's other options in life, you know, there's other things. It's not just football, meat pies, kangaroos and holding cars, if you, you know. <laughs> you know? I, and it's sort of, I, I, got to, I got to think about universe and, uh, you know, about things. He wasn't necessarily a spiritual man, but he wasn't unspiritual. Yeah. He was just a great thinker and he used to read books on advanced mathematics and a mathematics theory called chaos. And he'd talk about it and it'd be like, far out, there's a whole thing out there that no one even considers and you know there is there is other there is other uh viewpoints other theories other sciences and of course that led me onto the things i mentioned yeah yeah right when did he come into your life or when did you start working with him yeah i got suspended from school for riding a stolen bike i think in the (laughs) in the um in the quadrangle we put some milk out and we were doing we were doing slips you know you know i don't know what you call them these days the burnouts we called them okay and i got i got suspended or maybe for throwing a rock at a teacher. It was one of those two. I can't remember now. Yeah, nice. One of those. This is high school. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't. It was for break. It might have been for breaking a window in in class. Anyway, okay. You can imagine. I was that. That was that type of kid. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I knew my dad was going to kill me if I went home mm. and said I'd been suspended from school. Yeah. You know, it was the toughest school and pretty hard to get suspended, but I managed it. And so I um was going really well with a guy called Mr. Chicarico. We called him Tricky. And 
um, he knew that I was very talented. He said, oh, why don't you go and see this place called Comedy Engineering? So I, I was walking distance from the school. So I walked over there and... Um, this is the day you got suspended? Yeah, day, the day I got suspended. I walked over there and I asked if I could do work experience. I thought two weeks work experience is better than um, two weeks, you know, suspended. And that yeah. would be a good lie. Good, yeah. It was acceptable. And he offered me a job after that. He could see I had certain talents. He liked the fact that I was very good with drawing and, and, and understood um, technical drawings. And he liked the fact that I was quite good with, with machinery. Yeah. And um, that from that, yeah, well, I stayed there for about 12 or 13 years in that company. I went and I travelled the world and it was great fun and I was very good at it. Became a foreman. Wow. Did all sorts of great things with him, yeah. How old were you then? At that age, like, were you 16 when you got to Yeah, I was 16. 16. I think I was just 16. Yeah. Incredible. So you met but you met your wife, got married when you were 27. So clearly this guy, Joe Carmody, had a great influence on your life, sort of opening up ideas to other things. But you mentioned maybe you were into, you know, drinking and partying during, was it maybe more during the weekends or what were you like? Were you working with him during the week and really honing in on, on sort of that side of your life and then weekends you just go and get pissed or yeah that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I was I like the engineering, but I really look forward to the weekend. You know, there's some something attractive about dropping all your responsibilities and partying on and meeting girls and all that sort of thing. Right. It's quite a... I think it's very common. Mm. You know, I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. It wasn't until later that I realised there was other importances than that. You know, that, that's what Joe sort of, he didn't even really try to, but that's what he instilled in me. He just said, look, there's more, more to life. Right. There's more to life than partying, girls, and, you know, um, at the time, dare I say it, water skiing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned the water skiing. But that sort of stuff, it's interesting, the timing of this conversation now for me personally, because we actually did try to record, we, we did record, but we decided to, to do to do this again. Um, but that was in October and I just moved into the place that I'm living in now and it was actually on my birthday, the 7th of October. No, you didn't tell me that. Oh, well my, uh, I think you did afterwards, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It was, yeah, it was the seventh of October. But on that day, I'd actually started this program called Seventy Five Hard, which I've told a lot of people about. So people listening to this podcast will probably have heard me talk about it on other episodes by the time they hear this one. But I'll mention it because obviously it's new to you. So sure. it was day one, but basically Seventy Five Hard is this program created by this American businessman called Andy Frasella. He runs a supplements company over over in the States in uh, St. Louis, I think, Missouri. Um, and anyway, the program is for, for each day, for 75 days, you have to do these five things. So the first thing is two 45-minute workouts. One has to be outdoors regardless of the climate, temperature. So in Melbourne at the moment, you know, it's a little bit cooler today, but yesterday it was like 33 degrees and thunderstorms, and <laughs> yeah. the day before it was like 36 degrees. So you've got to do one workout outdoors and another one can also be outdoors, but it, it, you're welcome to have it indoors. But they have to be a few hours apart, the idea being making it difficult for you. You also have to stick to a diet, which is the second thing. Diet's very arbitrary. Whatever's going to work for you and improve your health, sort of you've got to take responsibility for your own health and you know find what's going to work. But no alcohol, no cheat meals, um, so no like takeaway, no chocolate, anything nice. like that. 
um, you have to read 10 pages of non-fiction a day. Um, wow. So I've been reading yeah, quite a bit of Scientology, um, more than I have in my life. And that's, yeah, obviously how we, well, not obviously, but that is how we know each other. Um, but I've been doing that now since really October. And even, like, I finished this program in December um, and I've gotten through the most amount of courses outside of going into the church and when I worked there, volunteered there for six years. So it's been really good for that. The other things you have to do are a progress photo every day. Even though it's more a mental challenge, um, you know, the physical gains are, mm. are quite great. Um, and then the last thing is a gallon of water each day. So about th- just under four litres, about 3.8 litres of wow. water. So we had our, we did an interview and then I don't even think I'd done the first workout of that day one, but I do this thing each each birthday, I run the amount of kilometres that I'm turning. I've only done it for a few years. I haven't been doing it since I was five. But I ran 29Ks later that day and That's I actually tweaked my, tweaked my Achilles. And so anyway, the, the thing, the whole, whole sort of next few weeks was quite challenging. But I, I mentioned um, I ended up completing it in December, 75 days. It was the 21st of December. And I decided not to drink over New Year's and Christmas, and I've, I'm going to continue that, I think, for, for quite a while. I turned 30 in October this year. I'm not going to drink until until then at the very least, and I'll probably continue it for a bit longer. But I say all of that to sort of give context because it sounds like there was a, chain, a turning point for you when you met your now wife where you were sort of like, I don't need to go and get pissed every weekend and do all these things. For me, a big turning point has been all the stuff that's going on in the world right now with vaccine mandates, with various things all around people's health. And I just see that the best way to get healthy is to not drink, is to not have this takeaway food and all of that stuff. So, you know, for me, I'm, I'm single. I haven't met someone who sort of helped me jump in a line. Not saying that she necessarily did that for you. I'm sure you sort of had that realisation for yourself, right? Sure. But um, I feel like I'm almost glad in a way that I I had that time where I was, I know I'm, I've never personally done drugs or been a criminal like you mentioned, but I've, I've had those moments and I absolutely know that I don't need to have them ever again. I probably didn't need to have them, but I have. So I can look back and be like, okay, now I'm fucking getting my life back fully on track which is where I think I'm at yeah at the age of 29 so yeah yeah well that brings up a, a point right because um I think modern culture and I think it's deliberate mm. I think uh, if you wanted to um say it was deliberate you could say it was it does seem like modern culture and you watch movies and you watch Netflix thing uh, um series and all that sort of thing mm. it sort of glorifies um an immoral type of living and it you know you see when you watch things like breaking bad and and you know i'm just talking about the older ones and it sort of glorifies it and you see these things but in reality and i've worked with a lot of um not a lot but i've worked with a few criminals and people who are you know of less you know that, that that of a less sort of a um uh pure existence and i found that there's no happiness there um and the point I'm making here is, you know, because, you know, your, your thing about the hope initiative, it does, you know, it's, it's for people who, you know, people who have, you know, it's giving people hope. Mm. And there's a lot of things that glorify 
and and make people feel like they're missing out if they're not either getting themselves wiped out. You know, there's a whole promote. You know, it's promoted all the time. You know, and the amount of alcohol ads, and then there's the amount of um, really shows that promote drugs everywhere and it's been going on in Hollywood for a long time I switched mm. over I was watching a bit of TV last night because I've been watching a bit of TV and I was just watching one of those National Lampoons vacations I only watched it for like three minutes yeah. but it, it was glorifying drugs and I'm just watching it on going this has been happening for such a long time mm. and yet what I was really impressed with because recently I watched all of the Sopranos the whole the whole like the six six series from front to back it took us yeah. a little while it was something that was really good and what I liked about that show it showed how absolutely demoralised and unhappy the criminals and these people are because effectively, and I know this for a fact, this is not just my opinion, people who continuously do things against the greatest good tend to, no, not tend to, uh, always live a pretty miserable existence because at the end of the day, you can't hide from yourself. You can, uh, you know, it's like the, the, the guy or the woman who has an affair behind a husband or wife's back and then they've got to hide it. And then they start to blame the other people for their unhappiness and all that. But it all started with this decision. Yeah. And, of course, that's so glorified too, the, the, um, the promiscuity in society. It's so glorified. Now, I'm not saying I'm an angel, but that lifestyle and that leads to marriage breaks up, breakups. We know that. It's mm. so obvious. But it's never spelt out. Right. You know, in these movies and these things, you see the this the glory of the of of, of the uh, the affair or something. What you don't see is the destruction, the destruction of the family, the children, the breakup of the assets, the fighting, the horrible. The, and and people spend their lives getting even or fighting and all this stuff. And it all seems to start from <laughs> some decision mm. to be immoral because a person knows. I I believe when he makes a decision, he knows he's. He's doing something outside of what is okay. And it's not okay according, it's not what it's okay according to others. That's him. And the person, him or the her, themselves, they know what's right or what's wrong. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. You know? And of course, you know, you're touching on the fact that the, um, you know, I lived in a moral life and I knew how horrible it was. You know, I did all that stuff and I lived, I lived it and I know. And I know I've lived a more um, honest life. Yeah. And I'm not talking about a saintly life because there is this idea of this, you know, to, if, you're, if you don't do those things, that you're, you're being some sort of a saintly person like, you know, like Ned Flanders on, on The Simpsons, <laughs> right? It's a perfect example. <laughs> but it's not like that. Right. It's not like that. You can still have all the things, you know, I shoot, I hunt, I fish, I, um, I do all these great things. I've got an old classic car, you know, I've got all these things. But I can still do that, and I run a really great business. But it's all done honestly. Yeah. And then you don't have anything come back on you, mm. except for maybe a um, oh, a pulled miss, hamstring. <laughs> you miscalculate something sometimes, but yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it's it's a great point. I mean, many points that you you make the decision to ultimately be immoral. I remember when I was young, I rarely drank alcohol at all, and I think. I still do sort of think that beer tastes horrible. Um, but eventually I sort of got around to, you know, drinking a bit more of it or finding drinks that I like the taste of. But it wasn't really until, for me, I was 25 and or maybe a few months before that, 24, where I was just like, I'd had a few things go on in my life personally and I guess I was 
I was trying to be, yeah, a good person and, and I think I, I was and like I am, but things just weren't going as well as I guess I would have, have liked. And I made this decision that, oh, if it's not going well when I'm being, you know, a bit, an ethical person by my own standards, then why don't I just, yeah, get trashed a bit more, you know, drink, drink alcohol each weekend and have more one night stands and all these sorts mm-hmm. of things. And it really just led this thing which I feel only really stopped consciously for me back when I started this program. <clears throat> Factually, it had stopped a bit before then, but I wasn't really aware of what I'd done to myself, despite, I think, you know, knowing, you know, part of what you said there, but I definitely don't know everything. But I, I knew I'd created the situation myself. No one else was responsible for it. But making that decision back when I was, yeah, 25, it was just like, oh, if I can't, you know, be successful in business or find the woman of my dreams, then why don't I just go and get fucking trashed every weekend? Because those people who do that seem to have fun every week right? and are successful and it's complete, complete bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. It's true. It is. I mean, it, it seems on the surface, they're out in the pub, they're popular or whatever, these people, but you look behind the scenes and you just look behind the door a little bit when no one's watching and these people are insecure or they're um, lonely or whatever else, you know. And um, look, we're all being there and it's not a judgment on anyone, but, you know, people mm. do sort of hide behind their own, you know, their own justifications, you know. Oh, well, I did it because, oh, you know, it's because of this. Oh, I but at the end of the day, you know, people know what's right and what's wrong and I think that's what robs them of their, their happiness and people who do the right thing or at least try to do the right thing, tend to just live much, much better lives, you know. And, and um, I've, you know, I've worked with so many people and I know this to be a fact and I've done a lot in the church and things uh, where I've helped a lot of people and to, to see their causation. Like you, you, you touched on a point there and that is about cause, right? People like to blame others. We, yeah. are, we live in a very, I believe, in a very victim-oriented paradigm now. Mm. You know... You're a victim, so you need to get compensation. You're a victim of this. You're a victim of that. You're a mm. victim of... And the minute you... And, I, you know, I talk about this on some of the things that I do. The minute you decide you're a victim, you're a victim. Mm. Until that point, you know, as a kid, you may have had people picking on you and you didn't even care. You know, you've seen these young kids and people are taking a piss and all that and these kids don't even care. It's not until they get older and they decide, oh, that was hurtful. Right. Then you're hurt. Because nobody can hurt you but you once you decide. And I know that's a tough one, but people probably don't accept that to say, oh, that's crap, you know, you can be... I'm not talking about, you know, people who are, you know, there are victims of abuse and there is there is all that. But I'm just talking about, you know, we're talking about something a little bit different here. I'm just talking about that, that thing where you feel like someone's offended you or harmed you that way. Well, if you decide you're offended, you're offended. Yeah. You know, I could say anything to you here, and if you decide you want to be, it's offensive, then it's offensive. Yeah. Um, and, of course, when you talk on things like this, sometimes you rub up against areas, as we are now, that could tend to be disagreed, disagreed with. You know, there's a whole culture there that's really, in my opinion, brainwashed people mm. into being offended and, um, um, and it's divisive. Yeah. You know, there's a very, it's very divisive. I mean, this vaccine stuff, irrespective of your um, of your viewpoint on vaccines, it's a very divisive thing. Mm. Now, you know, there's the guys who seemingly do all the right things and get their vaccinated, and then, then and then the, the, it's a constant push 
again, as I'm saying, it's created. There's this constant push of divisiveness. Yeah. You know, there's these, these pushes, you know, these, um, you know, these different, um, and I don't even want to go into them because it's too controversial, but you get these things that say, you know, um, this particular race should have a priority on something. Right. And yes, I'm not saying there hasn't been oppression and things need to, but the more somebody gets like told that they're, victim even as a race mm. the more that causes the problems it doesn't solve anything you know you just get more problems and more divisiveness right and i think we've got so much divisiveness on the planet right now i just think that we need a little bit less mm. i think ultimately we all bleed the same color blood and i think we're all basically um similar you yeah. know and i hate division i hate racism i hate sexism i hate all that because i think it's all i think it's all for the unintelligent or the or the or the uneducated and yeah. i don't and again that then sounds like it's divisive because i'm saying that no but all i'm saying is people who know culture know history have read some stuff and 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 done 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 some things with you know in history and done some things with others and helped others realize we're all so the same totally whether you're from uganda whether you're from uh lebanon whether you're from Tatura. Werribee. Well, Werribee, yeah, you're all basically the same. And, and, you know, we're a result of our our environment and our culture and all that sort of thing. So certain things do influence people. Mm. But ultimately this this idea that one homo sapien is better than or different than another based on their colour of their skin or their bank account or all that, I think all this stuff is just absolute bullshit. Mm. I think... If there was anything I would say about that, I'd say, okay, people who tend to uh, live a criminal life, they are the they they probably um, are the only ones that should really be sort of controlled and just let everyone else get on with it. In my opinion, you know what I mean. If it doesn't hurt another, then and and it, and, and 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 it's based on culture or sex or ideas or whatever. Okay, let them be. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you have to be obsessively trying to change anyone either. Okay, I don't. I may not agree with this part of or this thing or that sexuality doesn't agree with that sexuality. I say, look, we're not. We're still ultimately we're not that different. You know, we we can we can drive it and make it look like we're different and yeah. and have riots in the streets and all this crap, or we can just be tolerant. And um, you know, we're talking big things here, but sure. a culture that um, has lost its way like ours. All you get is divisiveness and trouble. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say here is I think if we all made an effort to um, try and understand the other person, again, whether it's sexuality, race, bank account, whatever, I think you'd find that um, we're not as different as we're being told right now. Yeah, yeah, we are being told. You know, mainstream media and, and various platforms. There's a few things I feel like we could chat about from what you mentioned there. I feel like since starting that 75 Hard program, I, I listened to quite a bit of Andy Frisella's podcast. He talks a lot about becoming the best version of yourself that you can be. And rather than talking about what you're going to do or what the right answer is, you, you have to sort of embody that. And I feel like it is a good message to send. And Part of what you're saying there, though, is like you shouldn't try to control anyone to follow whatever it is you're following or your beliefs or your way of life. It almost should just be living. And it sounds like Joe Carmody almost did that in a way with you. Started working for him when you were 16. 
you lasted what 12 13 years before you decided to move to melbourne yeah so there's a period there where you know maybe you were or maybe you most likely weren't drinking when you were 16 i don't know oh probably was maybe the odd beer or who knows but you clearly were you know in your early 20s maybe even mid 20s but by the time you left you were married you probably weren't doing it every weekend or very rarely so he's just sort of allowed you to be the young man that you were and you figured it out for yourself, right? Do you think that's the best way to go about it? Because I feel like ultimately I've had help. Like I'm not saying that I'm, you know, this self-made person and I've got it all figured out. We're constantly, you know, affected by, or, you know, influenced is maybe a better word by, yeah, culture, friends, family, these sorts of things. Um, but I feel like I've not figured out all the answers either, but I've I've certainly found a better way of living day by day for me than what I was maybe doing a few years ago, which was, yeah, looking forward to the weekends or planning things to go and get fucked up with my mates. Not to say I won't enjoy hanging out with my mates at any point again in the future, but that's certainly not going to be the driving force of my life. It'll be things like this, having conversations on my podcast, doing things business working with good people to try and create better environments for for people to live in finding out what's worked for me has helped seemingly you've done that as well but yeah the point you mentioned at sort of the start of this particular um, point was hollywood and the life is set up to glorify these ways of living why why do you think that is and then how do we how do we change it to the point where maybe we don't need four years on the piss every weekend to fucking go, oh, I don't need to do that. You know? There's yeah. plenty of people out there who don't, obviously. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, mean, I think we're all we all got our own I hate to say it, it sounds so cliche. We're all sort of running our own show. We're all sort of going our own journey. I hate that word journey. But we all sort of you know, we're all sort of learning our way. And mm. you know what? I think first of all I don't think there's any perfect person on the planet and if, or any perfect life. Yep. I think if someone decided they had a perfect life, they'd be, if everything was perfect and everything was perfect, it'd be such a boring life. Mm. If everything was predictable and everything was perfect. So, you know, we all strive for an ideal life, I guess. Yeah. And I don't think we ever, anyone ever achieves what they would call their ideal life. You know, just don't. I was watching a documentary, um, The Last Dance on Michael Jordan just yeah. before. You know, and... Um, you know, everything he had was very close to a perfect life, but it, was, it also wasn't. Right. You know, he was quite so famous that he couldn't, you know, he wasn't that happy about it in the end. Yeah. Um, now, you, you said, I think the biggest thing you said is about being yourself. Now, that's a difficult one mm. because people don't really know who they are. But there is one thing I could say. If you are trying to find out about others and trying to learn about others, you would probably do a lot better than trying to have people find out about you. And what I mean by that is people do all sorts of things to be noticed. Mm. You know, um, people like, and it's very true, people like to be noticed. They like to be the centre of attention. I think we all do. And I think, I think maybe not everybody, some people are very uncomfortable with it, but most people like to have that. And we've kind of gone into a culture where everybody... Not everybody, that's really wrong. But a lot of people, and particularly when you look at places like Hollywood and, and you know, you go, you go to certain areas of Melbourne 
And people really have to show everybody from their tattoos and their, their clothing and all that, certain things. Mm. For me, I don't think that's healthy. Now, that's a very controversial, and I know mm. not everyone's going to understand what I, what I mean by that or, or even agree. And I understand why, and I don't care. It doesn't bother me if they don't agree with me. This is my viewpoint. Mm. But in, in life, if you are trying to get gratitude love, energy, and feeling good from other people's um, attention. of your existence. Yeah, attention. attention. Yeah. You're probably not going to get far. It's, it's sort of, it sort of indicates insecurity and all that sort of thing. You know, the guy who's just extroverted and just does his thing, and he's not too... Yeah, yeah and, and that doesn't mean you're totally... Uh, irresponsible as how you look and how you feel and or you know and, and what you do or how you look or whatever you know it's not like you want to be a bum but what yeah. I'm saying is a person who is um, living his life not based on other people's viewpoints just getting down to it or based on other people's acceptance will live a better life now that's a difficult one because people a lot of people from what I've seen their whole existence is about getting other people's attention you got the emos and you got the, all those different and they dress a certain way and it's about to and it's meant to give a certain reaction and all that ultimately I, I don't I, I think well, each to their own as I said before but I don't think it leads I don't think it leads to a person being inherently internally happy and satisfied yeah. and in my opinion that's the only thing that matters I don't think I have to impress you mm. for me to be any better. Now, I like to impress people. I like an acknowledgement. I do some great things and I help a lot of people and it's nice to get an acknowledgement, but I never do it for the. I was talking to, uh, to a group of people the other day and um, I said, I don't do this for acknowledgement. This isn't for platitudes or this isn't platitudes or, or something to do to make... To in, this, this is life. Mm. You know, and life is lived my opinion, from in the internally out, not from externally in. Mm. It's not about how much I can get, it's how much I can give. It doesn't mean I live like a pauper, as you can see. I've got everything I need and want. I'm not the richest person, but I'm certainly not the poorest person. Yeah. But what? But I think that the fact that I give, in fact, there was something came up on Twitter or something the other day, I looked at it and said, you know, um, what's the one thing you would encourage everybody else to do who doesn't necessarily do it? And I actually couldn't, I never comment on social media, but I did on this one. Yeah. I said, do something, do something genuinely meaningful, meaningful and valuable for somebody else in which you receive nothing in return. Mm. When people, if someone does that, and that doesn't mean just do it once. It doesn't mean you have to do it every moment of, the, of your waking life either, you know, there's a balance. Right. But when... This, this is all about you. you. I know you don't get a lot out of this, but it helps people and it makes you feel good. Mm. But it's not about making you feel good. It's about doing something worthwhile. It's about changing other people. Yeah. And that, of course, you get that back. Mm. And this is what everybody misses. It's not, you know, you watch some of these things and some of these sort of shallow shows on TV. And, you know, I never watch much, but you might I, you know, clip across and I'll watch Love Island for five minutes. And it's all <laughs> about being so noticed and being this and being that. And they are so naive to what's happening right. they're so naive to where this leads that i know where this leads this leads into all sorts of depressive states yeah. instead of saying i don't need all that 
okay, if I want to build up my muscles, I'm doing it for me, mm. not for you to, not for you to notice me. Yeah, I don't go and do all the things I do and talk to you because I want to be noticed. Right. I want people to see that happiness comes from within. Happiness comes from what you exude, not from what you get, what, what for someone else gives you. It's all false. Mm. You could give me the greatest compliment, and it could be genuine. It could be bullshit. And if that's why I do it, why am I doing it? Mm. So I'm doing all this so I'm feeling better because you're giving me a handshake or $20? That's bullshit. But we've been so indoctrinated that everything needs to be paid. You want me to help you? I'm going to be paid. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And the pay might come in terms of um, uh, money. It might come in terms of um, a special favour. It might come in terms of a blowjob. Or it might come in terms of admiration or fame. And so many, and this, this will come out, there's so many people have sold their soul and that means sold their happiness to get something like fame or money or that car or that thing and 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 this is what i hate about hollywood it's Mm. so false yeah it's fake it's not real it's not a real world they live in a false world and we and and of course they it's becoming so that fiction doesn't seem to be any different to fact in hollywood anymore they live these lives as if they're in a movie Mm. But they're miserable and they get their 15th boob job and they get their 12th this and that and, you know, and you see these these horrific things walking around that have had all this work done on their face or their body and this false stuff and it just looks absurd. If yeah. you came from outer space and saw that, you'd go, this is a fucking freak show. <laughs> why are people resisting getting old? Yeah. Why does culture, why do people not, and I know, I'm getting, I'm getting that point now. I'm getting, I'm getting some age on me, and I understand. But I could either fight it. Doesn't mean I'm gonna just let myself go and turn into fucking Jabba the Hutt. Sure. But at the same time, again, balance. The, why? Why do you have to get others to see you a certain way and push your eyes up and do all these things with your face or your, you know, all these false things when all they see then is your plastic surgery? Mm. They don't see you anymore. Mm. And so people are trying to get gratitude or love or friendship or happiness or something from a false thing. This skin's only this deep. Yeah. So am I going to get all this plastic surgery to get someone to love me? Well, I don't want that person who loves me for the plastic surgery. Yeah. Okay. We live in an aesthetic world and there is aesthetics. I understand. It's like they think what is loving them is this idea of what they maybe have seen, like you're saying, in Hollywood or you know, a couple in a movie or in a magazine yeah. and that, that idea which yeah, is, is made up. It's See, that's, you've got a point there because people think that you have a romance or, or you find love, right? Mm. And they've got this idea it's some Hollywood perfect thing or their family should be like this perfect, like Hollywood family ties. Or, it's all bullshit. <laughs> Relationships, marriage, you know, it's more about... You know, it's more about having to accept that somebody else farts in bed or they're not perfect Yeah, and they age. Mm. Bodies get old, bodies get fat. So what? I'm going to be in a situation where I'm in love with somebody based on how they look only. Mm. Or how they are in a, in a moment. In a and moment. That isn't ever allowed to change, right? It's yeah. So it's impossible to maintain. Yeah. And, and if people can get through that, it doesn't mean you, you just drop all aesthetics. Again, yeah. it's always balanced. It means 
fucking be true to yourself. Mm. You know, if you need plastic surgery to be accepted, you're not true to yourself. Mm. It's bullshit. Yeah. If you need um, fucking Louis Vuitton bags, I know I'm not saying that they're a bad thing. Yeah. I'm probably going to buy one for my wife. <laughs> but if you need that to be accepted, right. forget it. If you need that, um, and again, I've got a nice car. I don't have the fanciest car, but if you need that brand new, I don't know, whatever car to get accepted or to have people admire you, sorry, it's it's kind of false. If you like it because you like it, that's one thing. Mm. But if you're driving it with a big loud and, da, 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 and you're giving it and you're watching people, you know, I understand. You know, I, I, I get it's good to be noticed and get other people's attention. But it's just... You need to have something from within to be, you know, to, 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 to I guess you've got to love yourself in order to um, get any love or admiration from another. Mm. You know, and if you really know who you are, and that's the hard bit, because a lot of people don't. How do, you, how do you figure that out, though? Like, especially that point of the car. I feel like every young boy grows up seeing some scene like that, yeah, in a movie where, yeah, you're driving the big loud car or whatever it is. And it's known these, like, most people would know by the time they hit their mid-20s that that is a good way to annoy girls as opposed to attracting them in terms of driving down the street with a big loud loud Mm. car, music blaring. But seeking that external affirmation, which is almost, you know, what you're talking about, that attention, it, it almost seems like it's human nature, but I see that, yeah, it's it's the wrong way to go about it. You do need to ultimately love yourself and do things that are going to be good for you and then find someone who's doing that as well for them and find points that you admire in them and then, you know, build a, build a marriage, build a friendship, whatever it might be. Yeah. But if you're caught in that, you know, seeking external validation, how do you think you, you get out of that? You, you stop that? Because society's set up to... Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, you know, we have we have tools in our church and things like that which can get people to see things and that's why um, it never gets accepted because it's, it's, it's based on a... It does get accepted, but, you know, not by certain people because uh, certain hard truths have to be walked through mm. to find happiness, you know. Um, there is no guidebook, you know, and how, you know, if, if people are in that, they generally... Um, haven't even considered it. Mm. And I guess the first step is to go, you know, with whoever's listening to this, if anyone's smart enough or stupid enough to listen to this and listen to me, would be basically, um, you know, you, you, you could just look at that in yourself and be honest with yourself, 100% honest, and find out if anything you do is, is actually if those things you do are actually helping you and others and the things you do, are they worthwhile? You know, okay, you got to, you got to work to make money. If that means working on a factory floor or these days, you know, in an office or whatever it is that you're doing, okay, you got to do that. Yeah. And that you do that for money. Jesus, try doing something for love, try doing something selfless. Cause I've seen people who won't even do something selfless for their own children. That's one extreme. Most people will. Most people can sort of see charity within the home. Yeah. But they don't really see charity next door. I've been mowing my next door neighbor's lawns for 
<laughs> probably won't be mowing them tomorrow, <laughs> but um, I, I've uh, been mowing them for 12 years here. Yeah, they're an elderly couple, and um, I just took it upon myself to mow their lawns, and I, I get something out of that, yeah. and they love it. And you know what? I don't do it for this. It allows for me, and I've got, you've seen I've got a lot of vehicles out the front, and I can sure. park in front of their house and there's no dramas. Right. You, it comes back, but it comes back in unusual ways. Right. You didn't think the first time you mow the lawn, I'm going to get a few more vehicles over the next no. few years. And yeah, you no, I wanted it. to do it. Yeah, I just right. wanted to help them. And that was, that's always been the way I've been. Not always, but it's been the way I've been. I like the idea of doing something that doesn't have my benefit. And yeah. I fucking hate the way society pushes that if it's nothing in it for you, you know, the, the, these false things, look after number one. Mm. You're the number one priority in your own life. If you don't, you know, charity starts at home. All this stuff has this little bit of truth. So people, and, and it allows them then to go, ah, good, I've got this information here. And that, that then validates, I don't have to, and, and there's a lots of false, we get jammed with lies all the time, you know, um, movies and and um, TV shows and commercials and ads and books and um, all this, these things that sort of uh, trying to get us to find the true happiness lies in this new fucking cologne or, you know, that's going to get the girls. And you know what? A new car, like you talked about before, you know, someone with a nice car, they're going to get the girls. Mm. But that, girl's, that girl is there because of the car. You know, or the muscles. Oh, the muscles mightn't be there in a few years' time. Then what do you got? Yeah. A whole heap of headaches. <laughs> and of course, and, and, and even more and more now with all these modern shows on TV that just seem to get ridiculously good ratings for absolute crap, just snot on TV. And it, it, it glorifies it and, and, and makes it even more common. Now, even more than it was when I was sort of going through that influential stage. I mean, you know, these, these kids are watching Love Island thinking that's how life is. Mm-hmm. That's how people are, unproductive, completely subservient to um, being noticed and admired by somebody, thinking that's love, yeah, or that's got even remotely to do with love. It, and love's a shit word, but you know what I mean. I mean, you, as people want to live a, a, a good, healthy life, I think ultimately a lot of people want to get married, mm. want to have children, and they don't. Marry the woman saying, oh, well, I'll probably divorce her in five years' time and we're going to fight and I'll have to give her half a house. And You know? It's like, is it Kenny? Is it Ken on that show? Kenny, he said, didn't get married. I'd rather... He goes, I shouldn't have got married. I should have just found someone I hated and given him a house. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I think that a lot of them end that way because it's such a throwaway society. And I know I'm using other people's lines here in platitudes... Oh, sorry, and, and um, cliches. But a lot of people... It's a throwaway thing. Oh, I'm done with this girl, throw away. I'm done with this thing, throw it away. And, you know, I'm done with this job, throw it away. And I'm done. And, and a lot of people don't achieve a lot of the best they could be because they're chasing the next fuck or the next feel-good thing or mm. the next whatever that is to make them feel better about themselves. And it might work for a day or two, a week, a month. Mm. Yeah, they get the young girl, you know, the cliche, you know, thing again, 45-year-old and he leaves his 45-year-old wife and finds a 30-year-old and then he, then he surprisingly finds that she is unstable mm. and she won't cook and she doesn't do this and she doesn't, or whatever, or maybe, maybe she does, but he defines that it's not necessarily what he thought it was. Yeah. So the 30-year-old version of his wife. Yeah, and if it is everything he wants, he'll find that he doesn't want it 
This is how we are. If it's everything he wants, then he doesn't want it. I don't know how many times, you know, any, any, most people would be able to testify to this. You know, you're chasing that girl, you're chasing that girl. You don't really like her, you just want her. Mm. You know, then you get her, you don't want her. Chasing that job, chasing that job, you get that job, you got it, and you don't want it. Chasing that car, chasing that house, chasing that thing, you achieve it, chasing that, I'll pay off my house, pay off my house, and then I'll be good. Pay off my house, then I'll be good. They'll pay off the house. And they find they've still got the same aches in their back. They're still the same things. They're still fighting with their with their kids, their, their kids on drugs or something like that. And they find that it didn't make them any happier. Mm. It's like a false goal because the goals are from within. If you can lead a life that's valuable for others that you, and your children are proud of you and you're proud of your children and, and your wife helps you and you help your wife and you still respect each other and despite all and you build something like a business like we've done and all these things, what you get in return is tenfold, mm. a hundredfold. The sacrifice of, oh, I could have found or I could have done that or I could have chased that or whatever because I've seen it. And I've got a lot of friends my age who um, unfortunately didn't find and, and they have had a lot of trouble and they're very lonely because they kind of went the greener side, you know, the grass was greener over there. They chased it and found it was paint. It wasn't actually grass, right. you know, Yeah, I guess. And I think that's the biggest thing and everything I talk about in all my, you know, my things that I do is about becoming more valuable to yourself and to those people around you. And right. that, that's also politically. You know, a lot of people vote politically, and I don't want to get political, and I know you don't really necessarily want to either, but sure. a lot of people vote based on the biggest handouts, what's in it for me. And we've got the most disgusting um, political system on this planet and uh, in most places, particularly here in Australia, where you've got two sides of the one completely corrupt coin. Mm. And, of course, you get promises, promises, promises. They get voted in. They never... They don't... Um, they don't deliver on the promises and the infrastructure that they said they'd put in is taking five or six times the cost. No one, they don't, the media don't take them to account because they're in on it too. Believe it or not, you could call it conspiracy theory. I don't care what you call it. They're all work together and it all happens and then we end up in it with, with, with a shit situation and, and, you know, yeah, I was li- listening to Ricardo Bossi. Some people love him, some people don't. And they said that for he said he's talking about grade four year olds learning how to masturbate now in Australia. That's what they're learning. You know, this is the sort of corrupt system we're in. We wow. have, and this is the thing that really ten year olds. Yeah, wow. We have a shit system where people still believe that our government is run by and for the people. We have a government run by and for secret special interests and that's what we have and and when people realize that they can't that everything that comes out of the idiot box is contrived and controlled and completely not the truth that's when we're going to get somewhere but they still believe the politicians they still people want to believe because people ultimately they're not taking responsibility for their own life if a politician is dictating, oh, go do this, go do that, here's this, here's this handout. Yeah. Then you're just totally affect to that and it's like, oh, if my life's shit, if I have to do this thing, if I have to go get this vaccine, you know, apparently we're at these super high rates of, of second dose. But I don't know too many people personally who got it because they wanted to help protect those who were sick or, or felt like it was the right thing for them. 
they, they got it because they were going to lose their job sure. or not be able to go out and get trashed on a weekend at a bar. Um, so yeah, Well, that's a very contemporary subject, but it's been going on for a lot longer. Right. At least this is bringing it to the forefront. Yeah, and it's a lot right of pe- in front of the face. Now. Yeah, a lot of people actually can now see mm. that our government has something else going on. Yeah. People can at least see that now. I mean, I've been banging on about this for years, as you know. I've been saying that the, the system is corrupt. We don't have. We have smoky rooms and secret deals. That's what we have. If you ever watch the uh, the um, series of series of Ozark, mm. that's how it works. That's how it works. You have people paid off and people blackmailed, and that's what we've got. But they get on TV and they've got the whole bullhorn, and they get and they're all over there, and they just and of course people. You know, what I was going to say before, people are actually good. People are generally pretty good. You know, I know I've talked about, you know, the fact I've been a bit critical of people, but people are actually very good. Yeah. We're just talking about certain things, right? Yeah. You know, we're talking about the, I guess, unfortunately, on these sorts of things, you do have to talk about the things that aren't ideal. You know, there's most people are great. You know, a lot of great things happening. A lot of great people, I know, you know. But um, if we were ever to do better, we need to realise that we've been sucked in big time. Mm. We have lost, you know, even in education, we never learnt the things we should have learnt. Did you learn about American history? Did you learn about how um, um, the Third Reich came to power? No. All these things that we should know. Did you learn about our constitution? No. I learnt vaguely about the French and Russian revolutions was what they taught us in, in history. I graduated in 2009, high school. Definitely didn't learn to masturbate in grade four. Yeah. Uh, first time I saw porn was in a fucking back of a classroom when a bloke pulled it up on a computer in grade eight, year eight or nine or something ridiculous like that, um, which was a lot at the time. But it's, yeah, it's, I didn't learn, yeah, no, any, it's of, part of, the any curriculum of that stuff that's, yeah. Part of the curriculum and this whole thing about, um, you know, L- the LBGT thing, okay, it's such a controversial thing to talk about and you can offend anyone so easily. I just don't personally think the, the kids at grade four or five need to learn about what that actually... Mm. They learn tolerance. Learn, yeah, learn tolerance. Learn that people need to be respected. Okay, all that. But they don't teach that. Mm. Yeah, that's what annoys me. And, and, of course, I don't want to get into the controversial stuff of all that because I've got lots of friends who are in those communities. I've got no problem with them. And, and, and actually... I like them. I like a lot of them. And they would, I, I, they would, if they were listening to this, they'd say, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a friend. Mm. I just don't think we need to have that sort of education in school. I think there's plenty of things we can learn and we've done very well up until the last 20, 15 years of educating. And now, look, I'm looking at the, my kids' handwriting and I'm looking at what they're learning at school and I, it's almost a waste of time, a lot of it. Mm. Some of it's good. Well, the handwriting's bad, though, as well. Oh, mate. The handwriting and the spelling and just those, you know... The fundamentals that you ultimately need to function in society, right? But here's the thing. It's very easy to control a society that's not educated and can't read and write. And we, are, we live in, a, in an almost bordering on a literate society now. Mm. So it's intentional. Yeah, I would say it is. And I can say that without any um, shadow of a doubt. It's an intentional thing mm. because uh, then you can get people to... Vote for the biggest payout. Yeah. There's, a, there's a YouTube channel and 
this guy, I don't know, you probably know better than I don't know who he is. I didn't take much notice, but he goes and interviews people mm. in America and he'll ask them, you know, how many states, you know, they live in America, how many states does America have? And they don't know. Um, um, they'll say, uh, you know, they'll ask questions like, um, who was the first or who was the first female vice president? Yeah. And they don't know. So these things, are, they're like current affairs, things all over but, but, but imagine asking them something like, um, you know, what led up to the civil war in America? What, what did slavery have to do with America's freedoms, mm. you know? Because they don't know this stuff. And, of course, there was. You know, these things happen and, they, and we should learn all that stuff. So yeah. what about how the Aboriginals were treated mm. by the English as they came here? Okay, this is, the his- this is history. That's factual. Mm. Not viewpoint or whatever else. We should learn the history, right? So that if if things like this happen again, we can we can stop it or yeah. Why why did the Nuremberg Code get written? Mm. People don't even. I was asking some people the other day about the Nuremberg Code. They don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm like this is unbelievable, and of course, I'm lucky enough. I guess I'm very literate and I can I can read and you know find out for yourself. Yeah, but this is why our governments can get away with this stupidity that's going on now because nobody understands what happened and what, what led up to the Nuremberg Code and, and how the Nuremberg Code outlawed um, experimental um, drugs and medications. Medi- and medical trials, ultimately, yeah. which is what we're essentially experiencing right now yeah, well, around be, the world. Yeah, it's still none of, none of it's been approved. Yeah, None of them have been approved. They're all classed as experimental. And, of course... So you have this great understanding. I feel like I've got a fairly good understanding of things. It's how do you, how do you communicate that mm. to somebody in a way that they're willing to hear it? Because there's no point getting on a, on a, getting on a bullhorn or, or, or saying all these things unless it can be communicated to someone so they can understand what, you, what you're trying to say. Yeah. And you're not saying something racist and you're not saying something bigoted you're pointing out something that's factual that can be observed that's empirical and it can be oh it's just being racist well you, you, you can use a word I could use a word one word I could say oh you're bigoted mm. but okay now I don't have to listen to a word you say and now I can get others I oh, don't listen to um, your hope initiative or your what's it called 75 75 hard yeah, yeah I could say that's is. all bigoted Right. You know, just like they're trying to do things to Joe Rogan right now, and you mentioned him before, and they're trying to, you know, they're doing all these things. Well, in history, there's never been a time where we've had censorship by the good guys. Mm. Right now we've got fact checkers and we've got all these things. It's actually just censorship. Burning books, which is what... um, What it used to be, right? mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're burning books, but they're doing it digitally now. Right. And they're enslaving us, but they're doing it digitally. They're doing it with money. And obviously um, other government mandates and, and things where they're making people do things against their will. So we've lost a lot of our freedoms and people don't even know because they do it like a... It's like boiling a frog, you know. You put him in a bowl of cold water and you slowly heat it up and he doesn't even know until it's too late. And of course, that's their system. They, they slowly take away people's rights. They've been doing it for many, many years. And of course, if anyone wanted to read... Thomas Jefferson's quotes and just Google them and see what he was saying back then. And there's another one, Adam's 
letters to Jefferson. There's these amazing things they were talking about freedom and exactly what they were saying uh, could happen has happened. Right. Where they've taken away our rights and, you know, one of the things that I think Jefferson said is if, you know, if, 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 a, if, a, if a country um, trades their, um, uh, their freedom for safety, they'll achieve neither. Mm. And, of course, it's spot on. We don't achieve either. We give away our rights since 9-11 and all this sort of stuff. We gave away all our rights and we don't get those back. Yeah, You never get those back without a bloody revolution, which I hope doesn't happen this time. And, of course... We're getting we're in very deep water here now, mm. uh, but but this this, this is kind of like um, the, the part when you when you understand a lot of this, and I think these are the people like Joe Rogan and Gary V and people like that, and you know the other people you're talking about. Yeah, that's their gift to be able to understand it so deeply, but communicate it so lightly. Yeah, so it can be understood enough so a person can go and look for himself. Yeah, that's hard to do. So that's ultimately what. If people are still listening to this, which there will be, there will be well, people, maybe not. There'll be people. No, there'll, there'll be people still listening. I feel like that's the message here. It's like we've yeah, we've touched on some things which people might feel are controversial, which might have triggered things or yeah, you know, upset certain viewpoints. But ultimately, it's you know, go find out for yourself if you're you know fortunate enough to be able to read understand things use a dictionary to you know look up words that you don't understand because there will be things like that if you're looking up you know the Nuremberg code and various things that have happened throughout history but even right now and what we're what we're looking at it's been almost made to be taboo to do your own research into these current vaccines you know I'm no you know I'm not a doctor I'm not an epidemiologist or anything but the idea, and, and you touched on, yeah, fact-checkers, censorship. You know, Joe Rogan's had some pretty high-profile doctors on his podcast recently, you know, one of which developed the mRNA yeah. vaccine. Malone. Right, yeah. Robert Malone, yeah. Um, trying to be censored. He was taken off Twitter. The fact that these events that are happening, like him being censored, isn't a wake-up to some people sort of... It shocks me in a way, but yeah, all of what we've talked about is ultimately just a form of, of brainwashing over the years where people, yeah, believe what's what's on the news, believe what's in the movies, and then, oh, if someone gets taken off Twitter, well, they must be bad because yeah. you'd have to you'd have to do something pretty bad to, to do that. But yeah, well, these are the challenges we face. Yeah. These are the challenges we face. Not everybody has your best interests at heart. And we have had a systematic uh, takedown, if you like. Mm. I would implore anyone who's listening to find, there's a little booklet called Psychopolitics, and it's a guide to Russian brainwashing that was written in the late 40s. And what the goals of communism was and what they were trying to do. Now, I'm not saying uh, anything other than, if you read it and you understand it, you'll understand that there has been a war going on against the West for a long time and it's a covert war and it, and its target was the destruction of the culture because once the culture is destro- destroyed and the family unit's destroyed and um, everybody's illiterate, they can easily do things like take things, which they've done, and they've done it easily. Mm. We've sold everything. I mean, people, I would ask somebody, just Google 
oil find in Cooper Pedy in January 2013, and you'll find they found $20 trillion worth of oil, which is more than the total the Middle East had from the start in Cooper Pedy. Uh, which Cooper Pedy is WA? Uh, I think South Australia. South Australia. Or WA. Okay. I think it's South Australia. Anyway, um, yeah. the thing with it is, that makes Australia very valuable. And if you wanted the resources, I mean, that's just one. And Australia has enormous, they have, they, if you knew the truth about how much gold they pulled out under Bendigo recently, but you don't hear this. Yeah. Because <laughs> I ask people to, to look at this. You could find Australia's got an ABN. Australian police force, a Victorian police force has an ABN, as does the, um, uh, the Australian justice system has an ABN. It's all control corporate, corporate law. And I, you think it's crazy. Mm. It's crazy. Check it. Do your own research. Find out. And then have a look at psychopolitics and find out what the real agenda is. Because the only reason I mention all this is because it, then it sort of um, allows people to just sort of look outside the box. Yeah. Don't have to believe a thing I say. But don't believe anything anyone says. Okay. But do your own research and come up with your own ideas. Mm. You know, it's a bit like what we we're talking about before. We we're talking about, you know, the fact that people get their validation from how they look. Well, this is sort of the same thing. Don't don't get get your ideas, not from what other people are thinking or saying. Right. Do your own research. I mean, the internet's a fantastic thing. We still can get the truth. Right. But um, you have to look. Don't just listen to what we've been talking about and take it on as your own opinion. Yeah, go go look it up for yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 and um, you know, it's all very serious, but there, there's some great things happening, and I believe that... Um, um, there is, there is an awakening happening and I believe that uh, there's going to be an amazing future. I just think it's going to get a bit bumpier, yeah. but I think there's an amazing future for us. I, I know we've talked very negatively, but um, there's so many people that you can talk to now who understand what I'm talking about, whereas 10 years ago, it was just crazy tin tinfoil conspiracy hat, right. conspiracy, conspiracy theory tinfoil hat wearing, and it's not like that now. People are kind of like understanding, and, and I think... Um, if God, if God had a plan, he'd have to do it in a way to wake people up. And, of course, if we are in a war, and I say we are, undoubtedly, it mightn't be a conventional war, there's going to be casualties. Mm. But we need to know we're in war and we need to know that some people are controlling things and decisions that don't have our best interests at heart. You know? yeah. I guess that's, that's the best thing. Look, search, find there are truths. There's truths in the things we've mentioned. There's truths in, in our religion. There's truths in all sorts of things. And if you look, you find it. But mm. you don't find it in the mainstream media anymore. There's, mm. I think if you do the research, you'll find there's five companies that run almost all of the, of the planet's uh, mainstream media news, yeah. which gives them enormous power to shape. This, this is a war for people's minds, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that uh, we're well into it. And I think we've been into it since before we were in, you know, since before we 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 were born. It's been that long yeah. of this systematic takedown of a powerful democratic type of a system. Um, but I think it's it's actually falling. I think people are realizing that something going on, and I think that uh, the future is going to be amazing. But I think we just need a lot of us with our uh, shoulders to the wheel, supporting people like Ricardo Bossi, Australia One Party. Yeah, you know, and because um, I think he tells the truth. Yeah, and I'll support him, or uh, so long as he tells the truth. And I think 
that's all you can ask anyone. Yeah. You know? And from what I said, it resonates in me. He talks about the, the systematic corruption, the systematic takedown of, of, of our systems, our, our infrastructure, and, and what that, and who is that. And he's the only one standing up saying, we're going to stop that, and this is how we're going to do it. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a member of the Australia One Party at yeah. this stage, but from what I heard of him, that's, I like that guy. I think he's telling the truth. Sure. Yeah, there will be freedom fighters out there, people who you've got to ultimately get behind because, yeah, you can't do it all on your own, but you do have to try and be the best version of, that you can, help others, and, yeah, I completely agree with everything you said there. In terms of there being hope, you do mention there that you feel like, yeah, 10 years ago you probably couldn't have these sorts of conversations with people. Yep. I feel like that's part of why I want to have more of these conversations on the podcast. I had a chat with a with a girl on the weekend just gone who I knew 10 years ago through my soccer club. We hadn't really seen each other since I was maybe 18. She saw me at a protest and then found me on social media. Couldn't couldn't come over because she was looking for a boyfriend at the time. Right. But um, reached out to me on social media and we, we've caught up many times since. I've seen her at a few protests that I've been to. But it's interesting that, yeah, you're able to have more of these conversations. So whilst I still want to learn more about people's lives and how they've gotten to where they are now, that's part of why I, big reason why I started this podcast, but I've only released sort of six episodes in the past 12 months, partly because I've been trying to form my own ideas and opinions on what the fuck is going on. Now, those things change when new information comes in, but yeah, I feel like we are in a war. But there is hope because you can have these sorts of conversations and people are a bit more aware that, hey, maybe the mainstream way of doing things isn't the only, the only way and yeah. isn't, isn't the right way. Yeah. And a big thing that, um, maybe not a big thing, but a, a thing that we, we have in, in Scientology is the way out is the way through. And I think, yeah, it might be, get a bit bumpier in what we're going through right now. But, um, yeah, I think we'll come through it. I'm I think, hopeful. I think we'll come through it. And I think that the fact that if anyone's still listening, to me, that would be a absolute breakthrough because mm. they're, they're, they're willing, that the people who are still listening are willing to say, hang on a minute, maybe there is something else. Or, yeah, actually, I agree with that. Or maybe they already knew what I was saying and they probably know there's a lot I'm saying, behind, that there's a lot more I'm not saying <laughs> that, about the, the things. You know, because... I mean, I, I think that's what matters the most right now is the um, is the is the wake if you like waking up and it, I don't like the the, the term wake up because it's kind of derogatory. The fact that they're not really asleep, but they just haven't got the correct data. Mm. So you know, people talk about oh, are they red pilled or the, you know whatever you know. You don't know what you don't know, right? That's right, and that's so the hardest much thing. You don't, know. Yeah. you don't know what you don't know, and there's a lot of people. And, and, and that, that's also frustrating for me, you know, with, with the things we're talking about, and that, that you can lose them so quick. You're talking and you've got them, and the biggest probably mistake I make when I'm trying to talk to somebody and get them to see a different way is I say too much. Mm. And so I've been very careful not to say too much here other than just look for yourself. Look for yourself when you'll find that there is so much more data that we're not being told deliberately. And so many researchers on different things, you know, we talk, we talk about but down to the other things, medical, cancer, diabetes, mm. all these things. There's all sorts of things that, you know, that have been suppressed because 
um, certain group have pushed a pharmaceutical patented drug or patented um, uh, procedure. Yeah. Because you can't patent iodine, for instance. You can't patent uh, magnesium, <laughs> you know. So people go and they have all these problems with their bodies and it might be a, a deficiency in magnesium or a deficiency in um, something like that. But, of course, you, doctors don't know about vitamins and minerals and so they go to their trusted source, the doctor, and the doctor says, oh, you need to have surgery or you need to have this or you need to have this drug or you need to have that, oh, I've got a mental problem, oh, you need to take Zoloft or you need to do this, well... There is no evidence at all that there is a brain imbalance, and you can check it. People can Google it. There's no brain chemical imbalance. It doesn't exist. There's no test. Yeah. And so the point I'm making is, um, again, I guess it, it just comes down to before you decide to do anything mainstream, just get on the internet, have a look around, see if there's alternatives. Yeah. See, natural cure for anxiety, and you might find something. You might find a thing called St. John's Wort. <laughs> or you might find that there's other methods or you might find Scientology mm. because there are truths. Love it, mate. Mm. When I started 75 Hard, I wanted to eat a lot better and uh, you're not allowed to you know, eat takeaway and those sorts of things and not in the first few weeks, but it was maybe you know week four or five, I came across this thing on Twitter um, talking about vegetable oils and just all of that sort of stuff and again I'm not going to go into it too much because my understanding isn't of the level that I would want it to be to go and advise someone and tell them to do yeah, certain of course. things but I I read this whole thread and I looked a bit more into it and other sources not just the thread but um, I didn't really use any sort of vegetable oil really previously but it's in so many products right but I've essentially since cut it all out um I'm outside every day as part of it, go for many bike rides, runs, mm. probably the fittest I've ever been, and I haven't worn sunscreen at all, haven't been sunburnt once. Also off the back of obviously not, not drinking alcohol. Yeah. So yeah. it's just interesting that, you know, we're told, yeah, you got to slip, slop, slap in Australia, this nice slogan mm-hmm. to, um, to look after your skin. Um, but yeah, I haven't been, burnt, haven't been burnt once. I'm not out in the sun for four hours you know, I'm not I'm not stupid like that. But if I'm out getting vitamin D, ultimately, which is a good a good part of a healthy lifestyle, um, I'm not doing that. So yeah, there's so much I think we could we could keep chatting about. Um, yeah, sure is. But I'm really appreciative of your time. Before we do go though, um, I like to ask this question because it was on many many podcasts that I listened to previous to starting or before starting my own. Sure. And that question is, Jeff, what advice would you give to yourself, uh, to your twenty year old self, if you could, anything? I know we've we've mentioned a few things. Look for yourself, you know. <laughs> Don't water ski when you're fifty one. Fifty one. Probably would be to um, uh, give selflessly a little bit more. Um, be more interested in what you can do for others than what I can get back. Mm. Um, I would do probably say um, uh, love your friends a lot more because they're valuable and um, always be yourself. You don't have to be anything else but yourself 
to be loved by others because everybody loves genuine uh, um, authenticity and people who are genuine. You might, I might not get as much attention, but I'll get a lot more respect. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. I would say that to Nick Kyrgios. Love the way he plays. Love his attitude. Yeah, you know, he's just at at that time of this recording, he's just about to play the final. Yeah. he's had that rowdy stuff, and I like him. I think he's fantastic. But I would say I would give him those words of advice, you know. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I I think he's a very giving guy. And I think if he didn't focus so much on getting the attention, he would get a lot more attention, but the right attention. Right. (laughs) There you go. Awesome, mate. Thank you so much. Is there anything else before we we end? No, mate. I'm off to the hospital now to try and get a bone knitted back onto... What what, what was it called, though? Anyway. Ily, no, I had an injury with the sacroiliam years ago, but it wasn't that, it was something else. But um, <laughs> all the best with that, mate. Thanks for, thanks for your time. Ah, thank you. So there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Hope Initiative. Thank you for joining me. Thank you again to Jeff for sharing and taking the time. If you enjoyed this episode, you've obviously listened all the way to the end. I'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen, but also share it with a friend, family member. You know the score on that one. And yeah, anything mentioned of note uh, in the show notes. And yeah, until next time, guys, keep creating your life. All the very best.